This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Cullum. And this week, I sit down with Trillia Newbell to discuss her new book for elementary age kids titled, Creative God, Colorful Us. The book begins by describing what it means to be made in the image of God and how that gives all mankind the ability to be kind and loving and fair and so on. Then she moves into how we all bear the image of Adam and the impact that has on our relationships. Each chapter includes the big idea, questions for children to ponder, and an application activity. Trillia and I discuss these topics along with the importance of celebrating the diversity of the family of God as a church. You will also hear my children and two of their friends answering a few of the questions from Creative God Colorful Us. Before we begin, I would like to invite you to go one step further and connect with me at graceenoughpodcast.com. On the homepage, scroll down, enter your name and email address. You will receive a welcome email and a free download. Hit reply and send me a note with what resonated with you from today's episode. Connecting with listeners like you is one of the best parts of podcasting. Let's begin today's episode with Trillia Newbell, Creative God, Colorful Us. Good morning, Trillia. Welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you. It's so great to have you because I have read your works to my kids for a long time. And so I'm so grateful for them. I know you write for adults as well. And we'll talk about all of that a little bit. But I just wanted to thank you for the voice that you have also given to kids. Um, because, you know, it's only become a little bit more popular recently, the valuable uh, children's books that are out there for Christians. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And you were right. I have no idea what was available when my kids were little, but I don't remember seeing much. And so I'm so grateful for the opportunity to write for these young little hearts. Yes. Well, tell everybody a little bit about you, your family, and we said a little bit about what you do, but expand on that a little bit for our listeners who may not be familiar. So I am uh, in the Nashville area and I am married 18-ish years. (laughs) (laughs) And have two kids, one 14 and 11, and I write and speak. But I'm also an acquisitions editor at Moody Publishers. So I acquire and look for authors, which is such a joy and a lot of fun. So you had mentioned that I write for adults. That is my main audience, is adults. So Bible studies and trade books and devotionals eventually and just various other things. But I have had the joy and honor of writing a couple of kids books and it is, it is such a, such fun. It is one of the um, most delightful things I get to do. Well, and you just took on the role at Moody within the last year. Is that correct? Yes. So I have been almost a year in May. It will be a year. And so it's a, I love it. 
Yeah, I think that's a job that I would actually really like to just getting to search for authors and topics. I think that would just be really, really fun. So yes. t- tell me a little bit about how you came to know Jesus, that early faith journey. Yeah, so it wasn't that early, actually. I, well, I guess early now because of my age, but I, <laughs> <laughs> it's but all I'm, relative, girl. It's all, it is all relative. <laughs> I became a Christian at the age of 22. Okay. And so when I was a teenager, um, I around 16, uh, someone introduced me to the Lord, but, but it was a really tough situation and, and probably not the best teaching. So, so Mm. by the time I was 18, I had pretty much rejected all things Jesus and just decided I didn't want to have anything to do with that. Wow. But then at the age of 19, I was in a private camp and I was leaving the camp and um, my assistant we were staying in a hotel together. She um, opened up her Bible and was having a quiet time. And, and I kind of got defensive, which was funny because she wasn't bothering me. But by the end of the night, I was confessing sin and she was sharing the gospel with me. Ah, that's awesome. (laughs) Yes. And over a series of a couple of years and um, hard things, I came to her church at the age of 22 and professed faith in Jesus Christ. So, wow. Yes. So that's my story in a nutshell. What a powerful testimony though, for the girl who just really was doing what she always does, which is probably dig into God's word, whether she's in front of people alone, whatever it may be. Yes. I actually tell her often it's, it's fun to, to think of that moment when she sees Jesus face to face, but then when she sees a testimony of Mm. all of those Mm -hmm. that have been affected because of her faithfulness, because now I am getting to, I get to share the gospel on stages of thousands of people, right? but it was her act of faithfulness that led to this. And so I just, it really is um, that everyday faithfulness. I, I, I hope that people are inspired and encouraged by her story um, that's led to my story. Wow. So, so powerful. Well, like we said, you have been writing on diversity for years, um, but your approach is not so much from a political point of view, uh, but more of how it relates to the church. And I think you have a little bit of of history of maybe either working in politics and maybe we'll kind of talk about that or something that you enjoy about politics. But share a bit of why diversity is a topic that you feel we must discuss as a church. If we open our Bibles, we cannot miss it, right? So even Genesis 1, God is creating a people of every tribe, tongue, nation in his image. Everyone, every person, Mm -hmm. whether they know Jesus or not, bears the image of God. And so that is the start. But then we are all... Uh, we all sin equally. So when we're all in need of saving faith, Jesus died for every tribe, tongue, and nation. Um, our m- mission is multi-ethnic to go and make disciples of all nations. Mm. The church was spread to the ends of the earth. Read the book of Acts. And so over and over again in the scriptures, you see God calling a people to himself from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And uh, then, of course, we know at the end, of, um, we will be spending eternity with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. You open God's word and you cannot, um, yeah, you cannot miss it. Or we will, let me say this, you can miss it, but it is there. And so 
So I think that that's why it's so important that the church understands and and gets a vision for this mm-hmm. beautiful diversity that God has um, displayed in his church. Well, in such a time as, as this, really, because the reality is we kind of have missed it for a while. Yes. Um, maybe not all people, but certainly the American church, just as a generic term, has kind of missed that a little bit. And so we talked a little bit, too, about your writing is multi-generational. And as a mom of three young children, you know, I'm grateful for that. And so your most recent book is really geared towards elementary age kids, which is perfect for my family. And so it was a delight to really talk about it, but it's creative God, colorful us. And so you break down a little bit of like being made in the image of God and how we're made in the image of Adam. And so tell us a little bit about how you describe to these elementary children that they're made in the image of God. We are made in the image of God to reflect him in his character. So these would be communicable attributes, things like he is kind, we can be kind. He is loving, we can be loving. So that is how I'm explaining that to, that we are made to reflect God and reflect God to the world and to each other. So I'm helping people people see that we have, by his grace and kindness, the ability to reflect him, but not only the ability, he, we, we bear that witness, whether we even know it or not, that any good thing is really from the Lord. Um, so that's, yeah, that's how I reflect the, the image of God. So I'm, I'm sharing it through different charts and even activities. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they it's draw, draw a picture of yourself and, um, and write out different characteristics about yourself. Um, even recently, <clears throat> a church used this uh, my book, and they asked the kids to use Cheerios to to draw their pictures. So there's so many different things that you can do to help yeah. kids understand how they reflect their Creator God, and that's how I do it in regards to the Imago Day, the image of God. Well, and that's something though that just for me as an adult reading it, like you have the ability to be kind, you have the ability to forgive. And I think it's so important as we're talking to our kids to say, this is also the common grace that we can see in all people, whether they walk with Jesus or not, that they have the ability to show kindness. We're not going to show kindness all the time, but the capability to do that is there, like you said, by the grace of God, because that's the image of God in us. Absolutely. And I think it's so important for kids to, to see that, that it's, it's God who gives them value and worth. It's God who's giving them these gifts. It's God who's created them. Um, and, and I think if we can get that at the foundational level, then it will transform the way we view people, the way we interact with people. And I mean, it really, the way we empathize, there's so mm-hmm. much that if we can understand the Imago Day, that is, um, will transform our, our thinking and our acting. Bennett, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, it means we're sort of like God, not like perfect, but he made us to be similar to him, to worship him. Like, so we are close to the way he was made. We have... We're not perfect like he is, but we do have like creative abilities like he does. Can you think of any of those creative abilities or things that we might be able to do that God can also do? 
well, things like create things like God can, we can build buildings, God can create like trees and things, so he's given us the ability to do that. Emma, what would you say it means to be made in the image of God? I would say you were created to love him and respect him and worship him. Yeah, well, and then the next chapter, you really go into how we're also made in the image of Adam and just how that impacts relationships. And so, you know, if the foundation is that we have to understand what it means to be made in the image of God and our capabilities, we also have to understand what it is to bear the image of Adam. And so kind of dig into that a bit. Yeah. So we sin. So we, when I wanted to ground this in the word of God, so starting with Genesis one, the Imago Dei, well, we cannot really talk about racism or division or anything if we're not going to talk about Genesis three. That's where, right. Where it's rooted, right? We can't talk about anything really. <laughs> we really can't talk. And we can't even go to, we can't even talk about the gospel mm-hmm. if we aren't going to talk about the fall. So we have to understand that we have, have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God that sin entered the world um, when, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And so the way I help kids understand this is I'm taking that same image that they, that they, we talk about. So I give them a chart. God is kind. So you can be kind. God is this. So you can be that. Well, in the same way, because of sin, We are unforgiving because of sin. We are unkind because of sin. We are hateful. Um, We lie. We are unfair. We make bad choices. So I help them see, okay, because of sin, this is how that image has been damaged. This is what has happened to our hearts and to our minds. and, Mm -hmm. And so that is I think that's so essential for us to understand how to grow and what our need for Jesus. We, in order for us to understand what has gone wrong, which is what I uh, titled the chapter, we have to understand that that um, sin has come into the world and it's affected us so deeply that it's it is the reason for the division in our friendships, in our relationships, and the why why we view people the way we do. Mm. Oh. So heartbreaking, but thank the Lord there is redemption. Okay, Zoe, can you list or tell me a few ways that knowing Jesus changes everything? Well, that means you'll have, well, eternal life, which means you'll never die. And you might die on earth, but that means you get to go to heaven and see people who have who you um, loved and died. Um, not all of them, because maybe not all of them um, knew Jesus. But another thing is you don't have to worry about anything because Jesus is always there. Jesus is always there. Emma, how about you? Do you have anything to add to maybe some ways that knowing Jesus changes everything? The first thing that would come to me of thinking about that would be that you get eternal life and maybe um, you would be able to live longer and you would see what Jesus would look like because a lot of people have already wondered what he would look like and what heaven looks like. 
So why do you think it is important to love those who do not look or sound like you? Because if we don't, we're being like exclusive. It's important, not exclusive, excluding. Even if people are different, you still need to be kind to them and love them. Even if they're different, because not everyone's the same as you. Everyone's different. So you should love everyone, like the Bible says. And things but like why? That. The, you said one part there, because the Bible tells us to. Um, because it's the right thing to do. And, and because what did God do? Did God just create you? No, he created everyone. Everyone is in the image of God. So we need to be kind to love everyone the way we would love ourselves. And what would you say that God, in the Bible, God says that with him in heaven will be? God says everyone will be in heaven who believes. So not just, not like just this group or that group, everyone. That's right. Every tribe, tongue, Um, and nation will be represented in heaven, right? (laughs) Yeah. You also talk a little bit about this command of, you know, loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves as being a radical command. And I think that everyone would agree with that. If not, maybe you haven't tried. (laughs) It's pretty pretty radical. Um, Agree. Yeah. But why was that so important to impress upon young hearts that this really is radical to ask us to do these things? Because it, it is hard. And so, I, <laughs> and so I, I want them to know we get this. This is hard. It is hard to like someone who's been unkind. It is hard to love someone who had been now like liking them is one thing to love them. Yeah. Is, you know, it is so hard. And, but yet this is what God has done for us. And though by extension, we do for others, God first loved us and now we get to love others. So I think it's, if we don't root this in love, I don't know what our motivation would be. So, so it, it really is about how we love our neighbor as ourselves, that commandment. That's another reason why it's important that God commands us to, this isn't something that is just um, a suggestion, a suggestion. <laughs> as a matter of fact, God says, if we don't love others, that we, we don't know him first on. Right. So it is, it is kind of the, the proof, if you will, of a transformed heart. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that we understand this commandment to love God with all our hearts, minds, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I'm really, I hope pretty clear that we're not going to always love perfectly. So we ask God for forgiveness when we don't, we repent because we're, we're going to fail in this area. All of us. I do every single That's right. Yeah. And so we're not going to do it perfectly, but yet it's still command. So we want, it's worth pursuing. Mm-hmm. We should, yeah, we should pursue this love of neighbor. Well, yeah. And then, I mean, also just thinking about what you wrote, you know, our neighbor is not just the people who live next door to us, but it's actually everyone. And then also this is where I have a hard time and, you know, I don't know if you would say the same, but I talked to my kids about this as well, is that just praying for the people that you're having a hard time loving, whether they've hurt you or not, 
also changes the mindset. And so part of that pursuit of loving others is when you're struggling, actually taking those people before the father. Yes. I think that's so good and so important. And it's actually something I do in my own life Mm -hmm. whenever I am struggling um, with understanding because I, you know, obviously adults, this is for this. this, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We need the elementary truth too. (laughs) Oh yes, we do. Yes. And so I have to pray for those who I'm either confused by or hurt by Mm -hmm. specifically. And, and there's usually something else going on. So anyways, that's, that's for an adult conversation, but, but yes, so it is important for us. I think it changes our hearts and it helps us. Yeah. It helps us see that they need Jesus just as much as we need Jesus. So absolutely. I want to pray for those people who Unfortunately, I would, I'm going to use this word that we view as enemies who are likely not enemies, but who we view as enemies. Yeah, that's right. It's so true. So tell us, you know, when you think about children and the way that they view the church and not just children, I mean, I think I'm so passionate about it because I didn't, I grew up kind of going to church, but like you, I really didn't. I mean, I was in and out of it, but I was, it was more of I just lived in an area where cultural Christianity was just kind of the thing to do. But I think teaching our kids that the family of God, we are to love them. We are to engage them. We are to embrace them and thinking about them as the family can really change our mindset towards all people of God. And so, you know, how does that point us also towards celebrating the differences that we see in people? I love the doctrine of adoption. I think we must understand that God has ushered us into a family. When we profess faith in Jesus Christ, we aren't these individuals walking. No, we are a part of Mm. a family. And this, I think it's remarkable also. (laughs) Like it is would be, yeah, that God would be so gracious that he would allow us to be heirs with Christ. What? Amazing. But it's, I don't think that we teach that enough or apply it. I don't know that we Mm. always, we, we kind of are uh, easily throw out the family, right? So church hoppers, for example, we don't, we don't embrace this, (laughs) um, this idea that we are the family of God. And so there is something that's almost like a covenant in that. And mm-hmm. so with that, I think it's really important that kids begin to see each other as brothers and sisters, siblings, so that they can relate to each other as such. And that they see it, the importance, the weightiness of the church, that it's it's more than just um, your friends. It yeah. is the family. So so yeah, I think it's essential. I also think that's where we as adults go wrong often. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't view each other as family, as siblings. We treat each other as so often some of the dis- division. I mean, that's why I use that word enemies because I think we so often treat each other as enemies rather than as siblings. And so we don't we don't approach each other with a love and care and um, desire to see good so, so often because of this. And so I, I want to tell a quick story. The reason why 
I think it just, it dawned on me that this was so important. Was it just, I mean, it was obviously the Bible, what God yeah, says in his yeah. word, but I was teaching a lesson um, before I wrote my first kid's book, I was teaching a lesson about God's diverse family and about the image of God and that we are a part of the family. And a friend called me up and said that her daughter was talking about my daughter's and my daughter's name is Sydney. And she said, mom, Sydney's not just my friend. She's my sister. Oh, <laughs> it's so sweet. It and is so sweet. It is so sweet. And so I, I just thought, you know, it's worth teaching what it means to be a part of a family and how to endure as a family and mm -hmm. how to love as a family, forgive in the family, rebuke and correct in the family. But we are not just friends. We're sisters. And that yeah. transforms the way we interact. Well, and so much of it ends up coming down to mindset, right? Where I know that something that happened for me when we moved to North Carolina, it was one of the first times where I actually went to a church where there was a family of God where almost all people didn't look the same. And I'm not just talking black and white. I'm talking some other different people of God as well. And when I started just engaging with people who were raised differently than me, um, who looked differently than me, who really had different life experiences, whether that means they were adopted or they lost one of their parents or they were raised biracially or whatever the story was, I was able to begin to say, it's worth listening. It's worth looking and saying, this person is my sister in Christ and they're saying X, Y, and Z has been their experience. So how can I come alongside them and support them versus just closing off my ears and saying, oh, this is not a problem. This is not a problem. This is not a problem. This, what you've just said is incredibly important. It en diversity enriches, enriches our lives. And 100%. Yeah, it enriches, enriches the church. It is so important that, um, that we see this and that we understand we need the perspective and life experience that is of different people. Yeah. I really help think it not only helps us grow as individuals, but it help, helps us in, empathize. As, Absolutely. As, yeah. We can't love our neighbor if we don't know our neighbor. And we definitely can't love our neighbor if we're afraid of them. So if we are afraid of difference and afraid to engage and understand those who aren't like us, and that is, as you've mentioned, beyond um, just the black and white binary that we work in often, it's all cultures, all difference. Um, even, I think so often, um, I would say this is socioeconomic. Yeah. This could be age. I was going to say generational is huge. Yep, generational. So there's so many things that that's why I think Paul talks in first Corinthians or second, I can't remember about <laughs> the body with of many parts, yeah. right? We cannot operate just with a bunch of heads. We need eyes and legs and all the things in order for the body to function well. And so I think that's so important. Um, and I'm glad that you brought that up. 
Yeah, well, and that's a good place to really kind of start closing out the conversation a little bit, because in the book at the end, like you've mentioned, you have these practice you know, activities and let's focus on the big idea and a couple of questions that are so great, you know, that we have to be able to engage elementary age kids or they're just, whoo, they're out the door, yeah. you know? <laughs> so those are the things that really resonate with them. But then at the end of the book, you include a letter to adults that, um, was just so helpful and I feel like so needed in our world today. And so why did you feel like you needed to include that for parents who would be reading this book and not just parents, um, anybody who has influence in the life of a child? I, it's important that people understand that they don't have to be color blind. I think so often we feel like we have to pretend like color doesn't exist, pretend like difference doesn't exist. But really when we do that, what there's two things we're probably trying to do. We're trying to say, I'm not a racist, which I get what people, why people say it. But what, <laughs> what actually happens is you're saying, I don't see you at all. And God, God hasn't, has not created you with milky brown skin and you, you, you don't exist. And, and so that it, it does probably more harm than good for both our intellect and our desire, desire to know people and our um, growth, but also to the person you're saying it to. Um, exactly right. Yeah. So I instead um, urge us to celebrate difference, um, to enjoy our differences, to um, engage in those things that how God has created us. And not to deny what God has done. And so I share just a few reasons why biblically we should do that, but also just practically why we should do that. And that I just think it's really important. Though I'm writing to kids, our adults are the ones who are really ultimately going to be teaching. That's right. And yes. And I'd say that's a good thing. We want our, our parents and adults to be teaching or culture will. And so I wanted to equip parents, okay, here's a vision for why we're having this conversation um, so that they can be fully equipped as their kids start to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And when I say fully equipped, there's so much more. That's right. Yes, but equipped enough to engage with the, the basics of what God has said in his word and why this is important. Yeah. Well, and as a white woman myself, I mean, I remember years ago being like, I I didn't even know that that was a bad thing to say colorblind. Thankfully, um, that wasn't my experience to say that often anyways, but I've had friends who now I can speak to and they're like, oh my gosh, I just didn't know. Now that's not everybody's story. Some people totally know, but most people, it's like you said, it's more of like, we just have to re-educate. We don't have to get angry with people, but just kind of re-educate of like, this is why this is wounding. Yeah, yes. I think most people need to unlearn what they've learned. Um, And it's, I don't think most people have evil intent or are trying to be malicious or unkind or, or rude or racist. I I think they think they're, that this is the right approach. Mm -hmm. And so I just hope to give a different Mm -hmm. vision and one that I frankly think is better. <laughs> I agree. So it allows us for celebration, really. Yes. Um, and kind of, we you started this conversation about me being in politics. It takes it out of politics and puts it in, 
about, okay, what does God's word say? And why can we celebrate? Politics is very important. And I think we need to um, engage civically. But when we are especially educating young hearts and minds, I think if we start with the foundation of what God's word says, Mm -hmm. then we're going to engage those even political conversations with the truth of God's word. And and I think um, with a, a better better equipped for the, those hard things. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a we versus them type of conversation when you're approaching the family of God. Yes. And so you can go into even political conversations thinking, because I know, and, and sorry to just keep dragging this out, but like no. I've, I said so many times during the political season, okay. So I have dear friends who love Jesus and walk with Jesus who vote this way and who vote this way. They are not my enemies. I do not have to look at them as enemies. And I I said that to many other people too. And they're like, that's a good perspective. And I'm like, yeah, because there are Bible believing Jesus following men and women who vote for Democrats and Republicans as much as we would like to say there isn't. (laughs) I know it is the strangest. Well, I need to be careful because I don't want to, but I don't understand. Um, It is interesting that we, have so politicized mm-hmm. and added a faith element to our politics um, that has caused such a division in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some clear, I think, clear ways that if we if we do this, then we are not loving our neighbor. If we do that, then we're not loving our neighbor. But then there's a lot of gray. Absolutely. That so we've got to have a lot of grace for for each other. And frankly, I I think if we can ask ourselves that hard, those hard questions, okay, how, if, how I'm viewing and communicating about this, does this honor God? And does this love my neighbor? If we say no, then we, (laughs) then we, then we kind of have our answer. That's right. Yeah. But there, but the decisions that we make um, on some of these are so like gray. You That's know, exactly right. Do we build a bridge in Antioch? I don't know. You know, right. I don't think God. <laughs> That's what? right. So, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. And do we charge an extra five cents uh, to right. pay, take an extra? Anyways, that's a side note because ultimately, oh, I do think in a book, when you start young, like you've said, and you lay this foundation of image of God in people image of Adam and people and how the family of God works, that helps people be better citizens. I agree a hundred percent. I believe that's why God started his word that, so he, he wants us to understand how to, how to relate to him, how to relate to each other and how to relate to the world. So this book, Creative God, Colorful Us is, is a starting place for young hearts and minds for how to do those things. Speaking of a starting place, listen to young Bella answer this question. Bella, when you look up at the sky, what do you think about? Um, cloud and blue. You think of clouds and blue? Is there anything else you think about? What about at night when you look at the sky? Stars and black. Stars and black. Yes. Do you sometimes see the moon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Do you, who do you think created all that? Jesus. 
Yeah. And then I want to mention too, your other book that I love so much for children is God's Very Good Idea. So I would recommend that if there are any parents listening with babes all the way through, these two books are wonderful. And so tell everybody if they want to connect with you, just where where do you enjoy being or hanging out on, or maybe you don't enjoy it on social media? (laughs) I guess that depends on the day and the season, right, girl? Yes. It's so funny. I actually, I enjoy social media for the most part. And then I realized why I enjoy it is I don't scroll a lot. That's exactly (laughs) right. It's so true. If you just engage with the people who engage with you, it's actually very fun. Yeah. So it's so funny, but you can, if you can spell my name, you can find me because I I have made it pretty simple because my name is so complicated. So it's just Trillia Newbell. So at Trillia Newbell on everything. Yeah. yeah. It's great too. Cause you don't have to add like the R or the K for the middle name, you know, cause nobody else has got your name, but yeah, it's. I enjoy following you along with you and your family on Instagram. Cause you guys just seem like you have so much fun with each other. So, you know, we actually genuinely do. <laughs> well, it, it shows. <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending time here with me today and having this conversation. Thank you. As Trillia said, Creative God Colorful Us is a good starting point. It is easy to get stuck on elementary truths in our faith journey. But we want to build layers upon foundational truths like we are made in the image of God. So begin adding layers of understanding to your children's faith now. And maybe you can benefit from walking through Creative God Colorful Us alongside them. Lastly, please connect with me at graceenoughpodcast.com. I would love to hear what resonated with you from today's conversation or answer any questions you may have or take any recommendations you may have for future guests. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast, two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.